You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patrick Chip, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. I thought I had hit the jackpot. It was shortly after my mother married my stepfather and I had opened up the unbearably heavy chest in the attic, moved back the felt covering, and spied a series of silver bars. Each one must have weighed at least 10 pounds. It was like Fort Knox. Later, I would learn that my stepfather had invested in, among other things, precious metals. Although our family wealth was mostly dispersed into various stocks, bonds, and real estate, It was those silver bars that caught a teenage boy's imagination, and I knew that one day I would grow up and accumulate extra money just like my parents, and in my attic, I would have a similar treasure chest, except mine, mine, would be full of gold. Patrick Yip serves as the Director of Business Development at Atmex and One Gold. Atmex is one of the largest retailers of physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, and OneGold is a fast-growing online precious metals platform that has processed over $750 million in transactions during its first three years in business. Patrick Yip, welcome to Earn and Invest. Tell me, this question has been on my mind from the moment I decided that I would be interviewing you. Why are human beings so interested in gold? Hey, Doc. Doc, thanks for having me on. So I think that's an interesting question. So you you look at it and and gold has always had a history of having value. Back then, before currencies, before um, bank accounts, before credit cards, people needed something to transact. And they needed something that was rare, something that you couldn't just pull out of the ground, something that had value, something that other people wanted to. Um, So if you look at it, naturally, gold and silver turned into money. They were rare. They were tangible. They were fungible. Basically, every unit was the same as as each other, and you could trade it. They were portable too. It, it wasn't it wasn't like trading big heavy rocks where you're like, well, what am I going to do with these? You could easily put them in your pocket. So they just naturally evolved into money back in the day. Now I'm thinking about this idea of gold as an investment. If I think back of the history of the United States, you know, I think of the gold rush. I mean, in a sense. In my mind, I correlate gold with speculation. But today, we're going to be talking about this idea of it as investment. Yeah. So gold back in the day, gold was money. And then back, if if you look at some old US notes, you'll notice that you'll have a silver certificate or a gold certificate. And what that actually was, was it was gold held at a bank for you. So if you had a $20 gold certificate, you had $20 of physical gold in a bank. But 
people just later evolved to say, well, instead of having this gold back and forth, the paper is easier to carry. So I would give you a $20 gold certificate. You would then have the, the claim on that gold. And then you could then go to the bank and say, I want my gold. So that, that was what it, what it turned into. And then lately, now, now it's more an investment. Since 1971, the dollar is not pegged to gold or silver anymore. So it's, just, it's essentially what we call a fiat currency. That, that basically means it could be printed into existence. It is backed by nothing other than, than the faith and, and trust of the U.S. government. So this is this whole idea of the gold standard, right? The idea that currency is backed in a set amount of gold. People don't realize that in the U.S. and in fact, throughout the world, it hasn't always just been gold, right? There have been times when currency has been set by silver or other precious metals, at least more than one standard for our paper currency. Yeah, that's correct. I think at the end, if you look at history throughout various nations, it's always been backed by something tangible, something physical. Obviously, with with paper, it's like it's, it's like what gives it value? What gives it value if people could just print it? But if it's backed by gold, if it's backed by a hard commodity, oil, wheat, whatever it is, the, the actual commodity has value. So that that was kind of the history of, of some of the commodity monies. So I feel like we've talked about how gold became popular throughout history. How did you yourself get interested in gold as a field to work in and as something to invest in? Yeah, that's a great question. So it all started back in 2008. I'm sure you and many of your viewers remember what happened to, in 2008. So <laughs> yes, I, yes, was we typical, all do. I was a typical investor, had a portfolio of stocks and bonds. Everything was going great. And then sure enough, the financial crisis hit. So my portfolio got chopped in half. I kind of joke that now that my 401k got chopped to 211k. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it happened with a lot of people. That's just, that's what, that's what happened, right? So I then talked to my financial advisor, and I recall him saying that no one could have predicted something like that. It was kind of a, a black swan event. It just happened. So I said, okay, well, let's let's look into this. So I got looking into Austrian economics, got me looking into gold. And actually, in 2008, gold actually corrected with the stock market, but then it ended up um, during that year. So it actually, if you held gold, you'd make money instead of losing, let's say, 40 50% as, as you did in the S&P. So then the next few years, I became more and more interested in gold. I was living in LA at that time around 2008. And then in 2011, I was just looking around on Atmex. I was actually a retail customer of them before. I just happened to click their career section. I said, hey, let's let's see what happens. Clicked apply, found a position that interested me. Didn't really take it too seriously. I interviewed with a CEO and EVP at that time. And then they offered me a position. And what was interesting is my now wife, but then girlfriend, um, I said, hey, what do you think about Oklahoma City? And she was born and raised in LA. It's just like, what's in Oklahoma City? Am I going to be driving around a tractor or something? I mean, it's your typical thought of what what someone in LA would think of of a, a city in the middle of the nation. Anyways, I've been at Atmex since 2011, worked in various roles, merchandising, sales, project management, marketplaces, and now business development. And every day I'm loving it over here. And tell us exactly what Atmex is. So Atmex, it stands for the American Precious Metals Exchange. So Atmex is one of the largest online precious metals dealers. We've been in business for about 20 years. We've sold about 15 billion in gold, silver, and platinum and palladium to retail investors for investment. So these are the customers that want to buy gold bars, silver bars, or coins, hold it in their hands, and then essentially hold it as an investment. And we estimate that we have about, about a 35% share of the U.S. market. So we may refer to gold here, but clearly there are more precious metals than just gold. I think for ease sake, we may mostly speak about gold, but please do interrupt if things are different for some of the other metals. 
I want to talk about this idea of precious metals and specifically gold as part of your asset allocation. I was looking through articles about what an ounce of gold is worth today, and I came across this quote from a 2017 article. Let me read it to you. So what can your ounce of gold buy you today? In many ways, even beyond the steadfast, decent men's suit. Now, the idea was that people say an ounce of gold could buy a nice man's suit throughout history. Pretty much the same thing. History is pretty clear on this. As far back as 400 BC, scholars say that under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, an ounce of gold bought about 350 loaves of bread. Today, though our bread choices are a bit overwhelming, your ounce of gold will buy you close to the same amount, but the preservatives will make it last a lot longer. Tell me about that and whether that kind of rings true to you. The What I feel like this quote is saying is that basically gold does grow with inflation, but it sounds like it doesn't do a lot more than that over long periods of time. Yes, that's correct. I look at gold almost like a currency without the the oversight of a government. It's hmm. it has a, a worldwide demand. There's countries in Asia, there's countries in the Middle East, there's obviously North America, South America that that love gold. I wouldn't necessarily consider gold as like an investment that's going to cash flow or get you rich, but it is essentially like a, a currency that's going to grow over time. So it's just like if you held U.S. dollars, they have a place in a portfolio. Don't hold 100% U.S. dollars. Don't hold 100% gold too. But I think gold will steadily grow over time. So if you look at it, a lot of times people look at gold, they're like, hey, it goes up and goes down and and it's all over the place like every asset. If you look actually this year in 2022 and average every single day of the gold price, gold is actually the highest it has ever been in history. It has the highest average annual price in 2022 than any other time. So over time, I expect it to grow and, and grow. I mean, like I said, not it's not going to do something. I mean, maybe it does, but... I don't think it's going to be one of these things that's going to triple overnight or do something. But what I expect it to do is over time, it's going to naturally increase with inflation and protect your purchasing power. Let's look back at history. What have been the historical returns over time? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think a lot of things that people are looking at right now is inflation. It's obviously 8.3% right now, the highest it's been in 40 plus years. So let's see what happens in inflation and what various assets may do. So unfortunately, we have to go way back before 1980s because, because that's when, when inflation hit was that high. So if you look at the 1960s, we had an inflationary period and it took the Fed nine years to resolve that inflationary period. In the 1970s, we had another inflationary period and it took the Fed five years to resolve that inflationary period. So let's say you held cash. You said, okay, I'm just going to weather through this inflation. Let's see what happens. Five years of 8.3% inflation is going to erode about 35% of your purchasing power. And then nine years of 8.3% inflation is going to erode over 55% of your purchasing power. So clearly, cash is not the best place to be in this time. Maybe maybe short term for liquidity, hold a little bit of cash in case there are buying opportunities, but definitely don't hold 100% or even some, some high, high level of cash. So cash is not good. Well, let's look at other assets. So let's look at stocks. So I'm going to stocks, I refer to the S&P 500. So if you look at the 1960s, the S&P was down over that nine-year inflationary cycle. And inflation hit 12% in the 1960s. So not really the best place to be if you're down with inflation. And then let's look at the 1970s. So the S&P was about flat. It was actually up 4%, but inflation hit about 15%. So you're losing a ton of purchasing power if you got into S&P. So now let's look at gold, for example. If you look at the 1960s to 1970s, gold went up by 5x from $35 to $200. 
And then if you look at the 1970s, gold went up from 100 to 850. So who knows if history repeat, maybe it rhymes, but mm -hmm. if history does repeat, then it's likely going to be a good place to be. So what I'm hearing you say is it's a really good inflationary hedge. It tends to do well in times where inflation is bad. On the other hand, I mean, couldn't you just argue that while those equity prices are down for the short term, once you get through inflation, equities tend to rise at a greater rate than gold or other investments, and therefore your overall return over decades would prove to be a little bit better? Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And, and a lot of things I look at is, is cycles, too. So nothing goes up forever. Nothing goes down forever. So if let's let's fast forward now. So let's look at 2000 and onward, too. So let's let's get out of the 60s and 70s. I know that seems like way back for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but let's 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 look at 2000 and onward. Right. So a little little more modern times where people could relate to. So I'm sure a lot of you remember so from 2000 to about 2010, 2011, you hear that stocks had that lost decade. So basically, they 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 basically didn't return anything. I think if I if I remember, they started around fourteen fifty in the S and P in two thousand, ended around twelve fifty um, in two thousand eleven. So basically, didn't do much. Gold, on the other hand, went from two two hundred fifty dollars in two thousand to about nineteen hundred in twenty eleven. Clearly, the first part of the decade it was favorable for gold, not so favorable for stocks. And now let's look from twenty eleven to let's say the beginning of this year, twenty twenty two. You had the reverse. So stocks were 1250, as I mentioned. They rallied all the way up to 4800. So a 4x move in the S&P 500. Gold, on the other hand, as I mentioned, started at 1900, went all the way down to 1050, and now it's about 1700 right now. So basically, has not done much. But my thought is, like I said, everything's cyclical. I think you're in a new, I guess, investing climate. You could say rising interest rates, inflation that I would not be surprised if you saw the cycle reversed and gold start to perform well over the next several years and stock struggle. So tell me, knowing what you're telling us here, looking historically at the returns and the relationship to inflation, how do you think people listening right now can tactically build gold into their portfolio allocation? Yeah, so there's there's several ways to own gold. The first is what I call like a vaulted solution. And it's definitely my preference too. It's so back in 2018, Atmex, which is our parent company, partnered with a company called Sprott Asset Management. And what Sprott is, it's a large alternative asset manager with about $22 billion under management. So we partnered together to come up with one gold, which is basically a modern way to own precious metals. Many people call it like the Robin Hood or the Coinbase of precious metals because it is so easy to use and intuitive. What One Gold is, it's an investment platform that allows users to buy, sell, and own vaulted positions of gold, silver, and platinum stored at various vaults. So you could choose the US, Canada, Switzerland, or the UK. What we do is we start by having agreements with Brinks and Loomis. We then source the, the metal from the wholesale market. So this is basically some of the best price bars you could get. We then list the metal for sale. You then buy it directly off the platform, and then you own the gold. And then typically you own part of a larger bar. So like, imagine those big bars that you see in the movies, those big 400 ounce gold bars um, that you see in a vault. So you own part of that bar. The metal is all insured, it's audited. And then let's say you said, hey, I, I like this, but I want the gold in my hand. You could. We actually have a redemption option where you could swap that position of, of your gold into smaller retail products. So that's one way to own gold. I could get into physical too as well, um, if you're interested. Well, actually, I'm interested not specifically in how you own it, but 
more what role should it play in our asset allocation. So clearly what you've brought up, which is an amazingly good point, is during especially inflationary periods, gold is a great investment and will probably perform definitely better than equities in these situations. So how do we know how much to actually allocate to gold? Like what would be your suggestion if you're, I'm sitting here, I'm a typical index investor guy. I've got some stocks, I've got some bonds. Maybe I've got some real estate. We're heading up on what could be a long inflationary period. What would be my strategy for how to bring gold into my asset allocation? How much and how how would I plan it out? Yeah, that's a great question too. And my thing is, first of all, let me say that everyone's asset allocation would differ, be different. Obviously, if you're tw- 20-some years old and you're aggressive, then do something different. If you're 80 and you're retiring tomorrow, then obviously you know it's different too. But I like to look at history. Let, let's see what history tells us. So typically, people people look at gold as a, as a way to diversify their portfolio. And if you talk to a normal financial advisor, they would say, own stocks and bonds. And the thought there is, if you want to be more aggressive, you have a higher stock weighting. If you want to be more conservative, you have higher bond weighting. But let's look at history and let's see, let's use the last 50, day, 50 years of, of data. I feel like it's sufficient and look at 10-year average returns. So like the thought is, I, the reason I use 10-year average returns is if you look at something like 2008, the S&P was down like 40-some percent, but in 2009, it rebounded. So I think you need to normalize out that 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 mess. You don't, need a, you don't want to penalize the S&P 500 in 2008, nor do you want to reward gold in 2011. You want to normalize it. So you want to look at 10-year returns too, and kind of average the returns over those 10 years. So obviously, this this you need to have a little longer investment horizon too. But if you look at 100% stock portfolio, you had, and th- these are real returns too, you had a 7% annual return on that, on that S&P mix, and then a 5% standard deviation. So the standard deviation is basically the volatility of your portfolio. Or what I say is, how well do you sleep at night? Obviously, you, you don't want a portfolio that goes up 50% and down 50%. I mean, it might be exciting, but you're not going to get a lot of sleep that night. So that's the S&P. You look at bonds. So instead of 7% return, you get 5% returns on bonds. So a little bit lower than, than the S&P. And then your standard deviation is 3%. So not 5%, 3%, a little lower. So lower returns, lower standard deviation. The thought is if you put, let's say you you replace the bonds portfolio por- portion with gold. So you did 80% S&P, 20% gold. And once again, this is using 10-year average returns for the last 50 years of data. You could actually get a 6.7% annual return with that, with that gold and S&P portfolio. So slightly lower, 30 basis points or 0.3% lower than that stock portfolio and a 2.7% standard deviation. So much lower than that 100% bond portfolio. And you could do the math too. We, we'll be happy to share it with you. I mean, that's just data in the last 50 years. So obviously that's that's a 80% S&P, 20% gold portfolio. Like I said, everyone's situation is different, but that's just one data point. And so what we're definitely talking about is long-term ownership of precious metals. We're not talking about buying in and out of the market as things change. Yeah, of course. And, and like I said, I, I think the next couple of years are going to be favorable for gold and, and maybe unfavorable for the S&P. But I think if you look 10, 15 years out, I think the S&P is going to be making well on its way to new highs. So it just, it, it, I mean, it just depends. So in your case, you think it's a very viable way to look at your asset allocation, to look at the percentage you would normally put in bonds based on what you've thought your risk strategy is based on age, et cetera, and consider whether replacing that with a gold allocation would be maybe a good good percentage wise to to think about. 
Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a good point too. Uh, if, if you look too, it's, what's interesting too is if you look at that stock and bond portfolio this year, both stocks and bonds are down in 2022, mm. which didn't do you much good if, if that bonds bond, bond section of your portfolio is supposed to be a conservative, like negatively correlated asset with stock. So it's like you're, they're both down. So your portfolio is all around down. Yeah. And it sounds like gold is still fairly negatively correlated with stocks or am I incorrect on that? Yeah, actually on the short term, obviously there, it's just all noise, but over time, if you look at the correlation over five, 10 years, it, it is more negatively correlated with stocks. Now, of course, because we're talking about things that did at least at one point relate to currency, you're going to get people who for some reason or another, try to compare crypto to gold. Is there any comparison there? I mean, do they share any characteristics? I actually get this question a lot too. My thought too is they serve a different purpose. So you look at gold, gold's had a history of being money for thousands of years across different different countries, different cultures, and so on. So that's gold. You look at, let's say the oldest cryptocurrency, so Bitcoin. That started after the 2008 crash. I believe it started in 2009. So my thought is Bitcoin does not have the history of gold. So no one knows what it's going to do. We have not seen what Bitcoin does in a recession. We have not seen what Bitcoin is going to do in an inflationary and rising interest rate cycle. My thought is they have a different purpose in your portfolio. Gold is almost your asset protection, safe haven asset. I look at Bitcoin as more of a speculation asset. I mean, could Bitcoin go to zero? Sure, it's possible. Could it go to 100,000? Also possible too. So I would say weigh the weigh the upsides and downsides and put what you can into Bitcoin. Obviously, the, the, I wouldn't recommend 100% of Bitcoin. Maybe it's 5% if, if you could, if, if you said, okay, I could, I could afford for 5% of this to potentially go to zero or 5% of this to maybe make some crazy move. But I would say don't don't go all heavy in it. I've I've unfortunately seen articles too where people say they lost millions in cryptos, and I go, well, if you only had some proper portfolio allocation, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that cryptocurrency, at least as of today, is clearly speculation. One of the rules of speculation, right, is it could go to zero, right? Yep. Gold is not speculation. I mean, I think sometimes people talk about speculating with gold, but as you're looking at it, it's really more of an investment than a speculation. Like I, I think it's more like a currency. Obviously, it's going to go down, just up and down, just like any like the dollars or euros or whatever like that. Except I, I look at gold of it's it's never going to go to zero. Sure, it could go down, but it's going to have some type of use, just like any any commodity too. You look at like it's a wheat can't go to zero, like corn can't go to zero, oil can't. I mean, oil technically it did in the futures contracts, but that was a whole delivery issue too, which is a whole nother story. But all commodities don't go to zero; like they have some tangible use, and gold, being a commodity, does have some tangible use. So it's it's not going to go to zero. After the break, we're going to get in specifically to how you can buy gold and what are some of the innovations in the market. But before we do, just one last question. Are there any downsides to investing in gold? I mean, we've been talking about it as an inflation hedge. We've been talking about it as a great negatively correlated investment compared to some of the equity investments that the rest of us have. What are some of the downsides? Yeah, that's a great question too. Obviously, there's different ways to own gold too. There, there's one one option is is physical, and the, one of the biggest downsides of there is, is securing it and making sure no one steals it. Another thing too is is like one of the ETFs, and, and obviously with an ETF you have counterparties, so it's, it's important to understand your counterparty risk there too. 
We are talking to Patrick Yip. He serves the Director of Business Development at Atmex and OneGold. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor. And it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Yo, everybody, this is Doc G. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who showed up to our book launch event in San Diego. It was in Mission Valley. We were at BJ's. We had some pizza. We drank some beer. And we talked about all things taking stock I want to remind you that Taking Stock is available on Amazon in bookstores across the nation. If you're interested in purchasing it, go to earnandinvest.com slash book. There you can learn everything Taking Stock. This is where I talk about what being a hospice doctor has taught me about money and life. It is a -a one-of-a-kind book, and I'd love you to check it out. It's also available on Audible as well as Kindle. Check me out on Amazon or just go to earnandinvest.com slash book. Now back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Patrick Yip, who serves as the Director of Business Development at Atmex and OneGold. Atmex is one of the largest retailers of physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. And OneGold is a fast-growing online precious metals platform that has processed over $750 million in transactions during its first three years in business. Patrick, in the introduction, I talked about that moment as a teenager when I came across my stepfather's precious metals investment. And at that time, he had these literal bars of silver. We're talking about probably, you know, the 1980s. Tell me, is there something gratifying about actually having that precious metal in hand? I mean, I'm having these dreams of childhood and being surrounded by gold. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who love holding it in their hand. It's just it's a it's a unique feeling too when you have a ounce of gold. It's like if you look at it, I think if 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 anyone's ever held lead, lead is about I think it's about eleven or twelve times denser than than water. If you hold gold, it's about nineteen times denser than water. So like it's like it's one of the heaviest metals out there. And if you have a real gold coin or gold jewelry or something like that, and you hold it, it's just, there's something that, that just feels different about it. But there's a lot of people that love to collect it, love to hold it in their hands. Talk about the value of the gold itself versus in what form you get it. So obviously a gold bar is a gold bar, but there are also old and precious coins and all sorts of other ways that gold is used. Are some of these things holding more value than the actual metal itself? I mean, for instance, are old gold coins worth more per ounce than just a bar of gold? Yeah, so there's various types of gold that you could invest in. And how the gold market works is they essentially have a, a price called spot. And what spot is, it's the current market price of an ounce of gold or an ounce of silver. And currently spot's about 1682 as we're having this conversation today. So you have spot, which is the raw metal value. And then you have what they call like a premium or the cost over spot too. So my recommendation for anyone who has not is not super sophisticated in gold, they just want gold, you want it as close to the spot price as possible. You want to get basically an ounce of gold for being an ounce of gold. Obviously, there's older coins too. There's older collectibles. They actually call it numismatics, which is is, is a term that that describes collectible coins. But to me, it's it's more similar to investing in like rare art. Like if you if you got a Picasso. This Picasso could trade with raw commodity prices or it could just go a completely different way. So I would say, unless you're an expert in the rare coin market, I would recommend that you probably stay out of it and just get the what we call the bullion, which, which is, is closer to the spot price. And if you were to look at gold investors at a whole, what percentage are actually buying the physical bullion versus some other version of investing in gold nowadays? On our side, um, with Atmex and OneGold, by far people are preferring the physical gold. I think mm-hmm. in this in this time, people just like having the asset in their hand. And there's several benefits to having the physical. I mean, the best part about it is tangible and it's off the grid. So no one knows you have it. No one could hack it away from you. You could easily pass it from generation to generation if you do have kids and and obviously it's private. And one of the big benefits too is a lot of times people like that. Re- self-reporting of taxes. I do recommend that you do report your taxes, but you get to determine how you report it and, and what met, what accounting methodology you use to report your taxes. So that that's why a lot of people like the physical gold. I, I think it is important also to highlight some of the downsides of, of physical gold too. The thing about it is, is if you have a gold, physical gold, it may be hard to liquidate if you don't have a relationship with a dealer too. So if you do have, let's say you have a large portion of your gold and you happen to live in a small town, there may there may not even be a coin or gold and silver dealer in, in, in your town, and then you have to ship it. So, I mean, that, that's one thing to consider too. And then most people that I talk to who own physical gold, they start loving it. They start building a stack. So in my, I look at it too. You, you, you start getting in gold, maybe it becomes a couple thousand dollars and it becomes tens of thousands. And then if you're fortunate enough, it becomes a six or seven figure sum. And then at some point you're like, well, that's not ideal. Now you have a million dollars <laughs> in gold in your house and you're you're taking a vacation next week and you're like, what's well, my gold could be safe? So that's another downside about, about physical gold too. If you do decide to buy the physical, I do recommend that you do find a credible dealer such as Atmex. There are a lot of 
smaller companies out there that are that are credible too. But I would avoid buying from someone that you don't know. Like I would avoid Craigslist. I'd avoid during, doing some things in some of the marketplaces too. Just because if 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 you pay seventeen hundred dollars for an ounce of gold and someone ships you something and you've never held an ounce of gold in your hand, how do you know it's real? Is so, that a big problem in the market? Are there a lot of fakes or a lot of non-pure bars being sold out there? There are, but fortunately, we don't run into many of them. So Atmex being one of the largest dealers in the US, we have relationships with a lot of the worldwide mint. So the Royal Canadian Mint to Canada, the US Mint obviously in the US, the Perth Mint in Australia, the Royal Mint in the UK. So we buy directly from a lot of these mints directly. So we know the metal's authentic. We know we know the chain of custody. We do also purchase metal from the retail public too, as well. And we have a whole bunch of controls in place too. So we have what we call an XRF gun. So it's, it's a, it's a gun that we basically zap to the metal and it tells us the exact composition of the metal. So it tells us the percentage of gold. It tells us the percentage of silver, the other metals. And then we could easily see if it's, if it's real gold, if it's plated. And then we also use a sigma scope too, which which looks at the electroconductivity of the metal. So gold is going to conduct electricity differently than silver or differently than copper or lead or something like that. So we do a whole bunch of non-destructive testing to confirm that the metal is in fact real. So you mentioned before, one gold is a way that people can actually own gold without having to physically take ownership of the actual bullion Tell me about some other ways that you can invest in gold without having it stowed away somewhere in your attic or your basement or your safe. What are some of the other ways to get all the benefits without necessarily having it physically in your hands? Yeah, and, and that's, that brings up a good point. With one gold, I personally like it as my preference because if you look at it, like some of those downsides too, it's like if you have a large amount of wealth, it's just not ideal to store that in your house and, and you have to worry about it. Obviously, it's most likely it's not going to be insured. So one gold is is my my preference too. One of the other popular ways people get invested into gold is through the ETFs or the exchange traded funds. And the most popular ones are the GLD and the SLV. One thing I think to to note about those is like any investment, like any ETF, I would make sure you read the prospectus. If you look at the prospectus of the GLD and SLV, there are a lot of downsides, which I personally wouldn't touch it. Like one of them, they say the metal is not insured. Hmm. Well, Anytime a third party is holding my metal, I want to make sure the metal's insured. I mean, I, I can't control their security in their vault. I don't know a lot of the stuff. I want to know that it's insured. And the next thing too is the ownership structure is a little interesting too. So like you actually, you don't own gold. You own fractional ownership in a trust that owns gold. So a little bit disconnected with the gold. And they say that the gold could be held at a custodian, a subcustodian, or a subcustodian of a subcustodian. So Doc, it's like, if I gave you my gold and you're like, oh, don't worry, I gave it to my friend. And your friend's like, oh, don't worry, I gave it to my friend. And I was like, well, are you sure you still have my gold? (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about the other precious metals that are not gold. Do they pretty much act like gold or are there nuances to those other markets? Yeah, so the the by far the most popular metals that we sell are gold and silver. I would say about 65 to 70% of our dollars sold is gold and the other let's say about 30% is silver and then the the last couple of percent are platinum and palladium. Gold in most cases is purchased by a lot of the people looking for that in, like investment hedge, that safe haven play. Uh people buy silver more so for the speculation. So silver is like gold, they're generally correlated over time. But silver has a lot more volatility. So if gold goes up 1%, silver may go up 2%. 
On the other side, if, if gold goes down, we're 1%, silver may go down 2%. So people look at, at gold and, the, and the, they said, well, I believe in gold. I want a little more upside. Let me try silver. So that's why people get, get invested into silver. Another thing too, people track is, is the gold-silver ratio, which is basically the price of gold divided by the price of silver. Hmm. So it's, it's a metric that people track. And this ratio has been as low as 16 and as high as 120. And the thought is when it's high, you want to be buying silver. And when it's low, you want to be buying gold. And maybe when it's high, you swap some of your gold for silver. And when it's low, you swap some of your silver for gold. So that's an, that's people play a lot of these things on, on gold and silver. Platinum and palladium, I would say, are largely industrial metals. If you look at it too, it, it's like platinum is trading well below what it historically is traded for. Typically, platinum is traded at a premium to gold. But I would say in the last several years, platinum has been trading at a steep discount. So platinum's currently about 900 an ounce, whereas gold's about 1700 an ounce. And palladium is, is another industrial metal. It's largely used in catalytic converters, and that's trading for about $2,200 an ounce. Do we think the relationship of the other precious metals to, for instance, equities or real estate is pretty similar to that of gold? Do we think that the amount of negative correlation is similar? I am not <laughs> sure to answer that, to be honest. I stumped you, huh? Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because the question is, do they act similar? So obviously there's some nuances, but do they play the same role in your asset allocation is I guess what I'm asking. Because I think your average person, right, probably would be more interested in gold, maybe silver. But it's interesting to see if you would use them in the same manner as that inflation hedge per se. Number of people are sitting here listening today and they're like, okay, maybe this is something I could be interested in. What's a good way for beginners to like jump in in a safe way? I would say check out one gold is, is definitely the easiest way. Like I said, it's it's like the Robin Hood or the Coinbase of precious metals. You could get started with just a couple dollars. Maybe you want to test out the platform, throw a couple hundred dollars in there. Buy it, buy some gold. Um, you could buy in 0.001 ounce increments. So you don't need to buy a full ounce of gold on one gold, as opposed to buying the physical where you're like, okay, got to make a $1,700 commitment today. Check out one gold. The nice thing about it is, is you could fund it by, by linking your bank account. You could do credit card, you could do PayPal, you could send a wire. And let's say you said, hey, this gold's not for me, and you could sell it and you could liquidate it. We'll send an ACH or wire same day. If it's an ACH, obviously it'll post in your bank account the next day. Easy to get in, easy to get out try it out and, and and you know see if it's for you is there a common beginner mistake like someone says hey i'm interested in gold and they go out and do exactly the wrong thing like what would a beginner do that could be wrong here i think one of the things that beginners do wrong is especially on the physical side so you look at atmex and we have about 25,000 products available on our website and for someone just getting into this they're like well what do i buy like do i buy the gold American Eagle, which is the US coin? Do I buy the gold Canadian Maple Leaf, which is the Canadian coin? Do I buy a, a 20 Swiss franc, which is which which is a, a Swiss Swiss coin? It's like, so a lot of these coins, they have different, uh, basically what we call a buy-sell spread. So like if you bought it and you sold it back the same day, assuming no movement in the, in the metals prices, what would, what would you basically lose? Or what would be that cost of the transaction? So a lot of times people get involved in, in certain coins that are obscure. And a lot of these phone phone dealers too, a lot of these IRA dealers, I'm sure you've probably seen them late at night too. You see gold commercials of like, hey, move your IRA over here. And a lot of these dealers sell you stuff that is is not the best product. So they sell it, sell stuff for way over what it should cost. 
they'll buy it back for way under what it should be. And a lot of investors get burned there. But I would say if you are looking at buying gold, one gold, you can't go wrong. If you are looking at the physical, I would say stick with the most common products. So look at the gold American Eagle, the silver American Eagle, the gold Canadian Maple Leaf, some of the gold bars, such as the PAMP Swiss bar, the Credit Swiss bar. I would stick with the most popular ones. And then obviously Atmex has been in business for for over 20 years. We're we do everything by the books. We're not going to rip any customer off. So in a sense, one of the big ways to protect yourself if you're buying physical is to go to a well-known exchange. In this case, Atmex is a very well-known exchange. You're much less likely to get an inferior product that way because there's some protections built into the exchange. Yeah. And I would say, check out the reviews. Go online, Google Atmex reviews, Google One Gold reviews. Know who you're buying from. You, I mean, you're making a large investment. You want to make sure that the dealer is on the up and up. The dealer is doing everything by the books. They don't have any complaints with them. You just want to know that that the other party you're working with is is a good person to work with. Are there lots of exchanges out there? I mean, is it a pretty common thing? For instance, a gold exchange. There, there's a few larger dealers that are that are legitimate too. But I would say the, the majority of the time, you run into instances when you're dealing with a smaller party. So like someone who like, let's say a, a mom and pop shop and not not all mom and pop shops are bad, too. But I, I mean, I hate to put them all in this light, but like a lot of times, too, they they obviously have to make their money. They kind of gauge you as a customer. They're like, OK, do you really know this market? Do you not know this market? It's honestly like buying a used car. It, it's it's like if you go to one of these small little dealers, it's like if you don't know what you're looking for, you get burned as opposed to going to someone big, incredible. You know that they're going to stand behind the product and they'll treat you treat you right. All right, Patrick, the the big question of the whole episode is how many gold bars do you have hiding in your house right now? (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I will not answer that question. I do. I do own physical. I do have an account on one gold, too. I recommend people check out both. And look in the future. You know, tell us what the tea leaves show. What do you think is going to happen to gold in the next 10 years? I would not be surprised. And, and one of the, the legendary investors, too, is, is named Rick Rule. I don't know if, if you, you or any of your listeners have heard of him, but he's a big resource investor, too. And one of the things that he commented that he wouldn't be surprised to see four or five or six or $7,000 gold in the next several years. And I think if history repeats, too, you look at some of the moves that gold has done in the past, too. It made a multiple move during a lot of these inflationary and rising rate interest rate cycles. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw it three, $4,000. I think it's going much higher. What makes it go up? Is it just demand? Like why, why during these periods does it go up? You have several things. There's obviously demand is one of them. If, if you look at it too, and it, gold is currently under-owned in terms of like a percentage of people's assets. I believe it's a sub 1% right now, whereas historically it's been north of 1% or 2% of, of assets held. So it's currently under-owned right now. And then there's other people that say that gold does an accounting of all the currency in circulation. So like if you track the currency in circulation divided by like like the the gold price too, it roughly tracks it. And there's been times where they, they've matched up. So a lot of times too, you look at it too, and, and I'm sure you heard stats about, I don't, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but you know, 30% of the money in existence was printed over the next last couple X months um, since COVID. I don't know yeah, the exact stats, yeah, but yeah, huge so, so, some, yeah. something to that extent. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, you, you turn on the news, you look at any, any financial article online, it's like, you can tell there's just massive amounts of money printing going on. And, and a lot of times gold doesn't accounting for that. And, and the price reflects that. Well, Patrick, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. 
I specifically wanted to have you on the show because gold is something that I don't invest in. And yet I remember that fascination as a child. And it struck me that for someone who was interested in it when I was a young person, I really have spent very little time thinking about it as an investor. There is no question that we are in the midst of an inflationary period. There is no question that we are always looking for things that are negatively correlated to equities. It might just be that gold is an option that we haven't been looking at. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and if people have questions, how they can reach out to you. So first and foremost, what is happening next for Patrick Yip? We have a lot of different projects going on in here in Atmex, and I'm just going to tease it really quickly. We did launch a new credit card last month. It's called the Bullion Card. It's the first precious metals rewards credit card ever. So it allows you to earn precious metals as rewards. So instead of airline miles or cash back, you're earning gold and silver. You could check that out at thebullioncard.atmex.com or thebullioncard@onegold.com. There, there are two different options, but that's what's going on next. As a takeaway, I would say definitely check out gold. We do have a coupon too for your listeners too. So if you go on one gold, it's gold 50 off and that's 50 as, as a number. It's 50% off the gold premiums and then silver 50 off is silver 50% off the silver premiums too. So if you want to get started in gold and silver, check it out. Use those coupon codes. You get a little bit of a discount. And, and like I said, try it out. It's, it, if you decide it's for you, great. If, if not, then you can withdraw the funds really easily. Tell me about the gold and silver rewards. How do you get paid out on that? Where does it actually go? So there's two options on the, the bullion card. So like if you apply on the bullioncard.atmex.com, the rewards go into a balance on your Atmex account. So you can redeem it at any time for any amount for any of the 25,000 products um, available on Atmex. The one that I personally got, and I haven't got a credit card in over 15 years, but you know I finally got a new one. But if you apply on thebullioncard.onegold.com, it actually goes into gold or silver or whatever you want to do. So like, if you like gold, you could say, I like my gold. Let's say you earned $50 in rewards. You're going to get fractional ownership in gold. So like we sell gold in 0.001 ounce increments. So you may get you know 0.05 ounces of gold or something like that. Every single month, it's automatically deposited in there. But full details are on those pages. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Patrick Yip. Thanks, Doc. That's a wrap. Awesome. So I usually leave the audio running just for a few minutes so we can chat. And sometimes I use it as the after show. Sure. Um, thanks for coming on this. It's strange as good. it is. No, it was. And it was a conversation I definitely wanted to have because, I mean, I'm being real honest here. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I've heard people talking about it forever, right? Being in investment circles, people are always mentioning gold. And I always kind of said, yeah, 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 but never really thought deeply about it. And that was exactly why, because I wanted to question my assumptions. What I like about your take is you're not saying you're going to make millions this way. This is not how you're going to beat the market. I think you're, you're a much more sober look of what role gold could play in getting to that efficient frontier, right? Yep, like, exactly. how can we get the best returns with the least risk? And even this idea of substituting some of your bond or all of your bond allocation for gold really to me again gets to this idea of, of how can we maximize risks or maximize returns and minimize yep. risks 
Yeah, I'm not one of these doomers that say you got like the the world's collapsing and you're going to barter in, with in your, your bunker. gold. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and and there, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that do that. They put the fear in people to say, "Hey, you better get your dollars out of the system now." And I go, you know, people have been saying that for the last 50 years. It's like yeah. maybe society collapses, probably not. But you know, so I I like to use history a lot. I like to take that that practical stance too. Like I said, you don't want to be 100% gold. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. Nor do you. Nor do you want to be 100% in real estate or 100% in S and P. Like there's a balance, and it depends on what you want to do, what's right for your life. I will tell you that certainly, you know, as we become more and more advanced with technology, and you start worrying about cybersecurity, I do have to admit this idea of having something physical, because God forbid, even though if it's if we say that it's totally, totally unlikely. If someone messed with our banking grid, right? If if yep. if because we know it's all online now, right? So yep. how hard would it be eventually for someone to undo our online data system and get rid of all of our records of what people own and don't own? Yep. Pe- people who own gold would probably at least still have something of value that they actually had in their possession. Yeah, that's an interesting point too. Because another thing that I've I've told a lot of people too is is I have a safe at home and I I have cash in there and I, it's a decent amount of cash, but I live in Oklahoma City, so obviously tornado country. So it's it's possible that a tornado could come and it wipe out the power plant. Well, guess what? I need I need gas in my car. If I go to a gas station and I say, "Here's my credit card," they're like, "Sorry, power's down." Yeah. Whereas if I give them twenty dollars bills, it's like, "Yeah, go ahead, fill up gas." Like it's, it doesn't take a doomsday event. Things happen, right? The, the power could go out. Um, you could need cash. You could need gold. Um, it's just it's, there's something nice about having something tangible, especially as you mentioned in this digital world. You log on, you see your brokerage account. You log on, you see your cryptos. You log on, you see your bank account. It's <laughs> yeah, like, and all that's like that could disappear. <laughs> it's, you hope not, but I mean, it, it's it's a digital, you know, it's a digital record. It's scary. Yeah, actually. It's, it's like I don't I don't know what redundancies. I'm not I'm not an IT person, so I don't know what yeah. redundancies these these companies have in place, but. I mean, part of you wonders, I mean, not to be a doomer, but it, it's possible it could could go away or worse or even messed up. What if you had a million dollars in, in a, an account and some glitched happened and they're like, oh, well, you don't have a million dollars. You have ten dollars. You're like, well, what happened to it? Right. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say at that point? Yeah, it disappeared into the ether. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's interesting, right? Because you think we we talk about real estate all that all the time that way. People are like, yeah, but I own something, right? I it's own tangible. this single family home, yeah. right? Someone you can't, can't hack it away. away. It, it's yeah. it's not going to disappear. It's just it it always exists, assuming you know no fire or flood or whatever happens. But it's it's a tangible good. Yeah. yeah. I also am so interested in, and this goes with any kind of currency or anything that we um, assert value on is this idea that people gold has a value, but it's completely random, right? It's just this value we value we associated with it. It's a metal that we don't really use for that much, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I look at it too. It's like, what, what gives the dollar value? Well, the dollar has value yeah. because you and I want it. Like, right. right? Yeah. It's like, but if you and I now and, and the rest of the world says, you know what, I don't want the dollar anymore. Well, what's it worth? It's worth nothing. Yeah. The, 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 the euro is the same thing. The gold's the same thing. There, there's people, if you go to the Middle East, you go to Asia and you have a bar of gold. Well, guess what? People want it. Yeah. I was you about know? to say, there's nowhere in the world where people don't want gold. Yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere where people put their nose up and say, no, I, I'm not, I won't accept that gold. I will not take that gift you give me because it's yeah. worthless. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. 
The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate background, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambi Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. <laughs> Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. <laughs> 